You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. But first thing I want to say to you is, last year we bit the bullet as a staff and said, we're not going to be shy about this anymore. Like, it's not a law thing and we're not demanding it, but we're not going to be shy about it. You can start it now. Thank you. Uh, We're not going to be shy about this anymore. And since that time, I'm pleased to tell you, our church as a whole, the giving has been up. And for the first time in I don't know how long I can remember, we ended the year in the black. You say, why in the world does the church end in the red? Because the needs that we service far outweigh the giving that the people give. That's why. Um, And the ministries that we do. And so, look, we started talking about it. And immediately the promises of God started happening and and people just started prospering in it. It, So we're saying to the church, gosh, that's great. Well done. And we're just going to keep talking about that. There is something special about this thing called the tithe. I remember when I first became a Christian, I didn't even know what that word meant, which most of us don't. The word simply means tenth. Tithe, tenth. means the same thing. And it means a tenth. And I just became a Christian, total non-Christian background. And they said, you need to start tithing. I, yeah, okay, what's that? And I did it from the very beginning uh, and started my Christian life like that. But I didn't understand it. I didn't understand not just the why, but even the power and the blessing behind it. And so I want to take a look at that today. I want to take a look at the power and the blessing behind this simple yet, and I will say this, tithing is the beginning. It's not the destination. It's where you start. And, uh, and Janet and I give well beyond tithing, um, and, and we cannot outgive God. <clears throat> and he has given, he's given our kids, both of our kids, people just randomly give them cars. Uh, we've been given deposits for a house, all kind of things like that. Um, and it's because we have honored God all the way along. And so I want to look at it historically, the first time in history that we can find where this act and, and word tithing occurs. Because there's this thing called the law of first mention. Bible students use this uh, first, there it is. The first, it's the first time a word occurs in the scriptures gives us the key to understanding its meaning in every other place. So when tithing appears there on out afterwards, the foundation and the practice is set because of what happened at the beginning. And so you follow that practice when you begin to form what you believe and do about a particular thing. It's called the law of first mention. So the first time it's mentioned is in the beginning, in the book of Genesis 14. It is not first mentioned in the law book, Leviticus. People who are anti-tithing go, oh, it's law. And I go, I'd beg to differ. It existed 400 years before law. And it didn't come out of a law. It came out of the goodness of a man's heart. And it came out of his response to God, not somebody begging are you are demanding that you have to do this or you're going to get cursed or whatever? It came out of the goodness of God. So let's go to the beginning. The book of beginnings, Genesis 14. I'm going to go to verse 17. We're going to look at this encounter that, as he was called back then, Abram has. You ready? Genesis 14, 17. After Abram returned from his victory over Cataloma and all his allies, the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Shava. That is the king's valley. And Melchizedek, the king of Salem. Salem is short for Jerusalem, the city of peace. So he is the king of peace. He is a priest of God most high. He's not just a king, he's a priest. Pause, put the pause button on. 
There's only one other king and priest in all of history. Who is that? Right, Jesus. Melchizedek, not Levi, is the forerunner to Jesus. Mm. I want you to remember this. Okay, let's keep going. Melchizedek, which his name means, well, first it says, Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, brought Abram some bread and wine. That's significant. He's coming out to refresh him. Melchizedek, that name means king of righteousness. So he's not just king of peace, he's also king of righteousness. That's pretty significant. He blessed Abram with this blessing. Now, I'll just say it here just in case I forget later. We, we have reduced blessing to be, oh, God bless you. Somebody sneezes. God bless you. God bless you. Little kid was sitting on the steps today over at Central before service. Three times she sneezed. Her dad, God bless you. God bless you. Did you know that's a pagan act and ritual? Did you know it comes from paganism? It, it has to do with this pagan belief that as you sneeze, your, your spirit or something like that exits your body. And so if they say, God bless you, it comes back. We have reduced blessing to something that's either pagan or trivial. In, in our history of faith, when somebody confers a blessing on another, particularly a leader, a father, a patriarch, or somebody like that, when they confer a blessing, it rests on them for their life and determines their destiny. Interesting. It's powerful. Okay, so he confers on Abram. Blessed be Abram by God most high. El Elyon. The highest name could be attributed to God. Verse 20. And blessed be God most high who has defeated your enemies for you. Then Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. The king of Sodom, however. Now we know about Sodom. The word sodomy comes from this town. It's a horrible thing. This guy is not a nice guy. We know it happened to Sodom. It got raised to the ground. The king of Sodom goes to him, give back my people who are captured, but he wants to do a deal. But you keep the goods. He, he's, he's slick. He's a used car salesman. Verse 22, Abram replied to the king of Sodom. Well, I should say used chariot. Anyway, Sodom, the, Abram replied to the king of Sodom, I solemnly swear to the Lord God most high, creator of heaven and earth. Pause again. This is not like your teenager going, I swear, dad, I didn't do it. In other words, little white lie. When they swear on an oath in the Bible, it's like, on my life, on my future, on my heritage and my descendants, I'm telling you this is true. He raises his hand and he says, I will not take so much as a single thread or a sandal thong from what belongs to you. I don't want your stuff. It comes from a bad place anyway. But here's the other reason I don't want it. You might say, I'm the one who made Abram rich. You have nothing to do with whether I prosper or not. I will accept only what my young warriors have already eaten, and I request that you give a fair share of the goods. Watch this. He's already giving. He's got this giving spirit. You give the goods to my allies, the guys that helped me, Aner, Eshkol, and Memra. Give it to them. I don't want your stuff. This is a tale of two kings, king of Salem, king of Sodom. Sodom. And the tale of two kings could not be more opposite. The king of Sodom comes bargaining. The king of Salem comes blessing. The king of Sodom comes demanding. The king of Salem comes refreshing. The king of Sodom comes accusing. The king of Salem comes affirming. You should know where stuff comes from. 
And you should know what camp you are following and listening to and receiving from and giving to. So Abram's choice to give to this king and priest has important aspects on the issue of tithing. It is the first place in history. It sets a pattern. It sets principles. It's, it captivates our heart because that's where it comes from. And the issue is far larger than any law or religion or duty. Because number one, it took place hundreds of years before the law. Number two, it extended beyond the parameters of the law. You go, how'd that happen? Let me tell you how it happens. In the law of Moses, they took the tithe and they legalized it and said, the Levites from the tribe of, of Levi, from, sorry, I'm all over the shop. The Levites from the tribe of Levi have to be paid because we don't want them to work at jobs. They minister to the needs of the nation. So you must bring a tithe of everything to their house so that they are taken care of. That is the law. Now, this went beyond that. Let me tell you why. Abram tithes naturally long before there's anybody telling him he has to. Abraham tithes to someone, Hebrews tells us, is greater than the priests of Levi. This man is not a priest of Levi or even Aaron. This man is priest of only God Most High. Got it? Not only that, Levi comes from the descendants of Abraham. It's one of the tribes of Levi. So in other words, he's Abraham's grandchildren. So Abraham doesn't turn this way and tithe to his grandchildren. He turns this way and he tithes to the priest in history that's from God. It supersedes the law. Hebrews says this is greater than law. You read it. Hebrews 7 tells us that. Now before you yawn, have a big yawn. Go, yeah, yeah, Keith, get on with it. I want to point out an important point in this first mention of tithing. And here it is. The tithe was first given as a natural response, not as a religious duty. So don't come to me and say, you're just trying to get paid by enforcing some law. Not at all. Um, this act is declared to be greater than doing it merely out of law or legalism. So what makes the first mention of tithing so great? It's that Abraham's response is from the heart, not from the letter of the law. And, and his response gives us revelation. If you could just see it, there's revelation about tithing from the heart. And here it comes. Number one. I'm going to try to get through this quick. Abram knows and recognizes. He responds with recognition. I think we got it up there. Yeah. Abram's standing there with this encounter with this obscure individual. You know, he is never mentioned again in history. Did you know that? The only place he's mentioned in Psalms, David is told, your descendants who will be on the throne, Jesus, comes from the line of Abraham, uh, from Melchizedek. He will be a priest and a king like Melchizedek. Then the next time he's ever mentioned again is Hebrews, thousands of years later. He's, we don't know where he came from. We don't know where he went. We don't know what he does. And yet all of a sudden he appears before Abram after this great victory and stands in the presence of the, the patriarch, the father of our movement, our faith. Abraham is the father of our faith. And he bows to this man that he doesn't even know. But he, he recognizes something. That people who are, they get so thingy about tithing, they miss it. They, they miss this thing. That God is the God who provides our every need. This is what Melchizedek is kind of showing to Abram. That the king of Sodom didn't do this and nobody did this. It is God who did this. And I want to tell you here and now as a believer, your employer is not your provider. God blessed them. 
God blessed him. But God turns the hearts of kings and employers. He determines. These, these guys that were given testimony, I've watched them go from workmen at BHP to guys who own multiple businesses. They didn't do that because they're brilliant and they are smart. They did that because God's favor is on them. He has provided for them. Let me tell you another one. I'm just going to move on. So we're going to skip. I had that scripture repeated. But Abram doesn't just recognize God's provision. He recognizes God's dominion. This is why he tithes. He's God most high. It is this God most high that, that caused me to win this battle today. He is the one who is king over my, my life. He is king over my people. He is king over my finance. Not you, not you, king of Sodom, but God most high is king over everything I have, everything I will ever be. And he recognizes this. He is acknowledging in his tithing that God is not only has dominion over his enemies, but even over his possessions. You wonder why your car breaks down so long or so often? Check your tithing. I'm just saying. You wonder why some people, they stretch stuff out so much and, get so, and you go, golly, why do they do? Watch what they do. Watch their giving. Because Abram recognized that God is over everything I have, not somebody else, not even me. And as he lays this offering at the feet of Melchizedek, you know what he's saying? I am recognizing that God owns my stuff, not me. You don't own it. You just manage it on, while you're on earth. That's true. I should have on my Harley title deed, um, Jesus Christ. He can take it. He gave it to me. True. He gave it to me. I, I didn't pay the whole bill. He gave it to me. I'm telling you now. He can take it away any minute. I'd be sad, but he could take it away any minute. We'd have a long discussion. I don't think I'd win, but we'd have a long discussion anyway. But Abraham, in his tithing, he's recognizing that God has dominion. And I want to tell you, when we tithe, it keeps us aware that all that we have comes from God. And He has authority of everything we have. Man, I can remember as university students, we're, we're just early in our marriage, we're at university. We're, we're, we're trying to work, go to university at the same time and pay a university bill and everything else you've got to pay and not make it. You know, when you live in a university town, they pay you minimum wage. I was cleaning toilets. That tells you how minimum. Yes, I have cleaned toilets. And I won't tell you what they were like because I'm sure a guy with a colostomy bag used to use it every night before I went in to clean. <laughs> and he didn't just keep it in the john. Anyway, thank you, Jesus. This is temporary. I am going to Australia. I did that day after day. There would come times in our finance, paying the bills. We'd look at it and we'd go, tithe or groceries? And it came down to that. Even, how are we going to get petrol to get back and forth for, to work? And it was very tempting to go in our head. You know, God, we're serving you. And I'm doing this for you anyway. It's not for me. I'm doing this for you. I'm sure you'll understand if we go buy groceries. And we went, nah. This is holy. If we negotiate now, we'll negotiate when we have more. It's not only when you have little. You'll do it when you have much. It's not the amount, it's the heart. And we went, nah, this is God's, we're not touching it. And I'm telling you, like Graham said, we never did without a meal. Never did. The, the petrol in the car seemed to go longer. I can't explain that. I'm just telling you, 
God took care of our every need because we recognize his dominion over everything. And Abram said this, I will not. You, you understand the king of Sodom represents all that is wicked. And, and it would have been Abram's right to take every possession because in ancient days, when, when a king won over another kingdom, what did they do? They took all the possessions, all the people, and they brought them in a caravan. Not caravan like we know. Not like they go in. The caravan meant a line of people and animals that followed them all the way back to their kingdom in homage, chained, saying, servants. You read New Testament, it says that Jesus has in his chain of triumph all those that he has won. Abram had every right to the possession of all this stuff and people, and he said, it comes from Sodom, I'm not touching it. It's got, it's got the wrong stuff all over it, it's wicked. I don't want it. And he could have easily gone to this place in his head. Maybe that's God's way of providing. I'm telling you here and now, don't ever go to that place that God's going to provide through wickedness. The, the enemy, if he can't tempt you to do evil, he'll tempt you with something that looks good. Don't go there. Abram didn't. Secondly, I've got to move. Abram responds with honor, not just recognition. You heard these guys talk about honor. And I have to tell you, honestly, I did not see that video till late last night. With everything happening this week, I didn't finish the sermon until whenever I emailed you last night and said, check it. And then Nate finally sent through the video. Finally, last night I got the video. I don't know if it's because he's tardy or because God was making me wait to see it. So I'll go with God. And all of a sudden I'm looking at it and I'm going, they're talking about honor. Right there in flesh and blood, you are seeing the reality of men who are saying, this is, this is how we honor God. We, we've done this for years and years. This, first and foremost, is Abram honoring the greatness of God. God is great. The, the word that Melchizedek uses and Abram uses is the highest name you can use for God. El Elyon. God who is most high above all other gods or any on anything else. And he's acknowledging and he's blessing with this thing, the greatness of God. But let me tell you another thing. He, he honors the work of God. He brings this tithe, and he's not just going, well, I guess I better give it to you. I don't know what else to do with it, because maybe you'll know what God needs it for. That's ridiculous. We've actually had people do that. We've actually had people bring things to church going, we don't know what to do with it, and it's usually trashy stuff. It's after they finish using it, and it's all worn out. We don't know what to do with it now. We were decluttering. We thought you could use it for God. We're going, what makes you think we want it if you don't want it? It's like... Seriously. You know, what Milk, you know what Abram does? He lays this stuff at the foot of Melchizedek. What is he doing? He is recognizing the ministry from God through this man. That's what he's doing. This man has ministered to my life and my soul and my destiny. And he is honoring the work of God. Long before there ever was a structured priesthood, he is honoring the man of God who... Who's ministered to him? How does he do that? First, he does it physically, brings him bread and wine. You know what that means? It means choice, luxurious provision. He didn't just give him water. Yeah, over there's a trough, go let your camels drink. It says to him and his men, he fed them. Bread and wine represents, he gave them a banquet. So he's ministering to them in their physical needs and, and, and then he ministers to him spiritually with this blessing. He confers on him, listen, God gave you a promise. And he still means to keep it. And he is blessing you today. 
This victory is evidence of God's favor on you, Abram. And I'm here as a representative of God to speak and declare over your life that God is over your life. Abram just lays that tent down and goes, this is holy. I'm recognizing that God's work is incredible. And it's so good. And we understand this. Abram, or Abraham as we call him, was the greatest of all patriarchs. The father of, he's the father of three world religions. I don't know if you know that. He's the father of Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. Uh, we recognize him as our father, our father of faith. He, le he leads us in the faith. At that time, there was nobody that God had said on the planet greater than Abraham. Nobody. And all of a sudden, he comes out of battle, and there's this obscure individual, and he bows to him. Like, oh my goodness. I'm in the presence of something holy. Let me read you what a commentary says, because this is incredible. You need to get this. Can we get that up there? Yeah. Melchizedek is the only person whom Abram recognized as his spiritual superior. No wonder he tied to him. Abram accepted blessing from him, and Abram paid him a tenth or a tithe of all he had. Abram did this deliberately in full awareness of what he was doing. It shows how unthreatened and humble Abram was, even after a victory. Listen, let me tell you something. You, don't, you can't honor without humility. To dishonor is filled with pride. Abram could have stood there and go, who do you think you are, man? You just, you're from Jerusalem. That's nowhere. That's nothing. I, I possess this land. My people are going to own this land. What are you doing? What's that? You're just speaking a blessing. Over, who are you to speak a blessing over me? He didn't do that. He comes in humility. He bows to this guy, not even knowing who he was. And he pays a tithe. That's incredible. Because in this act of tithing, Abram is saying, this is something holy of God and it's far greater than any law. Let me read to you what Hebrews says. Let's jump into Hebrews for a second. Hebrews 7.4. Consider then how great this Melchizedek was. Even Abraham, the great patriarch of Israel, recognized this by giving him a tithe of what he'd taken in battle. You, you read that in Hebrews and you will see that this system, this way, this person Melchizedek was far greater than any law that was ever established. He is a forerunner, a type of Christ. Not the Levites, Melchizedek. Now, I know that doesn't mean a lot to you, but what it says is this. In tithing, we respond with honor. I, I, I don't have this on the screen. If you've got your Bible, you can turn there and look at it, but... Proverbs. Now, understand the Bible is it's not a book. It's 66 books and letters. It's a compilation of books. Every book has a purpose. Proverbs is a book of wisdom. Okay? It's not law. It's not religion. It's wisdom. If you want to be wise, live like this, Solomon says. All right? So here's what he says about finance in wisdom. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. First word. Say it if you've got your Bible open. Say it. Honor. It's the first word. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the, there's the word, first fruits of all your increase. Why? Because God wants to take from you? No, because God wants to increase you. 
so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Did you hear what Graham said? Don't even, don't even ask God to bless your finances if you don't even start at the beginning and give that tenth. Don't ask God for blessing on that. He's not going to make your finance and your possessions overflow when you don't honor him. Honor the Lord with your first fruits, not with what's left over. So, here's the deal. We honor God, not only as the maker of heaven and earth, but listen, when we tithe, you know what else? We honor the people who minister on behalf of God. It's called the church, the community, and the leaders. This thing travels down through time. That's why it started at the beginning, not with the law. It travels down through time. God has a plan. He has a people on the planet. He's always had a people. He's had a remnant. He's had a kingdom. He's had a church. He's had a people. And he wants those people to prosper and to be blessed and to be a blessing to the planet. And it comes into the church. People who say it's not in the church need to read Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 5. Let me, it's, it'll be on screen. The elders, the spiritual leaders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor. Here's two of our elders sitting here, three of our elders sitting here. They're worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. Now he quotes two, two Old Testament scriptures. We don't understand it because we're not agricultural. Scriptures say, do not muzzle an ox while it's treading out the grain. So they didn't have tractors. They use oxen to do the work. What happens if you don't feed the ox? Yeah, right? They don't live off petrol and air. They need grain to get strength. The workers of God need to be provided for to have strength to do what God's called us to do. And then he gives another one, totally different. The worker deserves his wages. So if you don't pay him, he's not able to do what he's meant to do because he is set aside by God to do that. Not something else to do that. All right, I better stop there because it'll sound like I'm, I'm asking for a raise. So, let's go to the next one. We're getting close, getting close. We're going to land. Abram now responds with gratitude. His tithing is a heart response. It's not because somebody's twisting his arm. Not because somebody's manipulating him. It's because he's thankful He's thankful that God has spoken into his world and confirmed it again and again. And he's confirmed it again through this guy. He's given him a promise. All the way back in chapter 12, God said that he calls this guy Abram out of nowhere. And he says this. Now, listen, our heritage as a Christian goes all the way back to this passage. In, in Genesis 12.1, the Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family. Go to the land that I will show you. Watch this. Here's God's promise. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. There's so many people trying to be famous. When God says, I will, man, that's awesome. And you will be a blessing to others. And all the families on the earth will be blessed through you. That's his promise. Now, you can imagine Abram. He's an older man and he's sitting there thinking, did I hear God? Did he really say that? Here's another instance where God sends an individual who represents him more than anybody else and says, Abram, God most high is on you. He will keep his promise. And I'm telling you, the Bible says in the New Testament uh, that his promises are yes and amen. He is faithful to his word. I want you to fast forward with me. This is kind of the beginning. This is Genesis. Let's fast forward to the end of the New Testament. Old Testament, I mean. Uh, and, and let's look at the promise that God gave attached to the tithe. 
He did put a promise on the tithe, by the way. And I want you to know that this promise doesn't cease just because the Old Testament ceased. God still has a house on the planet that he's blessing people through. And so this tithe thing that started before the law and continues after the law is there for a reason. And God has his word on it that brings a promise. Did you hear what the guy said? Never been without a day without work. Never been without needs. There's some wants we had we didn't get. Uh, but needs. And God's word is true. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. There's nowhere else in the Bible that God gives you permission to test him in. This is it. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you'll not have enough room for it. Now watch this. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. I'm going to stop the enemies from taking away everything I've given to you. And the vines in your field will not cast their fruit. In other words, they're not going to rot. They're going to be fruitful. The ventures that you have for God are not going to come to nothing. They're going to come to abundance. And he says, then all the nations will call you blessed. I remember Christmas Eve, we are all together, had our service, remember that? Graham's wife walked up to me and said, guess what he got for Christmas? Now, I'm not going to tell you because I don't want to embarrass him. Guess what he got for Christmas? It was big. I mean big. And I said, so what did you get, Haley? And she said, the same thing because they share it together. Now, people could look at that. See, this is where they don't want people to know what they give, what they get, because they don't want to be put up as, look at me, I'm the man. But the blessing of God has rolled out on them. And because of that blessing, they get blessed and they're able to bless others. And people go, golly, I wish I could get what you get. Well, why don't you give like he gives? I'm just saying. Because the Bible says people will call you blessed. You live in a great place, a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Gratitude for his promise, but also gratitude for his blessing. This blessing from Melchizedek just reinforces everything that, uh, that God had done in Abraham's life and everything he was about to do. And that's the deal. When we come with thankful hearts, it's like God. You know thankfulness attracts God. The Bible says we should, even in our praying, we should be thankful. We don't just come begging. Me, me, me. You know, I don't know if you've had small kids yet, but you hate it when they whinge. Me, 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 me. Give me, give me, give me, me, me. Last thing I want to do is give them something. I want to lock them in the room. You know, go without when they come with gratitude, oh, Dad, you're the most awesome. Daughters know how to do that the best of anybody. <laughs> it's true. It's true. My daughter had the cheek the other day. I know we're out of time, but I've got to tell you this one. My daughter had the cheek the other day. She said, Dad, it's kind of time you downsize. I thought, what's she getting to? I'm not that old. Kind of time you downsize. I said, what are you saying? She said, Just so we can share your inheritance before it's too late. <laughs> I said, we already helped you build a house, honey. So there you go. Kids, who'd have them? Called parents. Gratitude, thankfulness. God has blessed us in so many ways. How can we not be thankful? His promises are so good. Tithing's not about paying bills for the church. It's about living out the promise. It's about being thankful for the blessings. And the tithe gives us the ability to minister to the families of the earth. We give away washing machines. We give away cars. I'm looking for a day we give away houses. I'd love that. Just give away houses. Ministry to the poor. 
So the first mention of tithing teaches us to respond in recognition of God's provision. We, we bring a tithe on Sunday, we're going, God, you provided, and you are over all this, and you protect this. So it also calls me to come and honor him because of his greatness and his work. And I want to honor his work that he's doing. His work might not be perfect, but it is honorable. And by the way, you, you could sit back and go, well, it's not worthy of honor. Uh, 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 uh. That's back to front. Honorable people honor. Not because somebody is honor, worthy of honor, but because you are an honorable person. Okay, let me keep going. It creates in us an attitude of being thankful. God, we're grateful. You've spoken words. You heard what Scotty said. Man, he just gave us a word right at the beginning of our married life. He gave us a word. Bang, they bought businesses and they, they've done all kinds of things and they bless God, give away cars. So we live out of, out of his word and his blessing. But the last thing I want to tell you, come play for me, Job. Abram, and I'm going to finish with this, Abram responds with dedication. When he comes and brings that tithe, he is sanctifying all that God has given to him. Because the Bible says, you know the tithe? It's holy. I, I thought about doing something like this. Can we get rid of this? Thanks. I thought about doing something like this today. Um, just leave that one. Thank you. Yep, just take that. Thank you. I thought about what would happen if we made this the altar. And I brought the most precious thing you own. I said, what's the most precious thing you own? Might be your child. Might be your engagement ring. I don't know, it might be your car. But let's say it's your child. Like Hannah of old. You begged God for a child because you couldn't get pregnant. And you begged him for ages. Finally, he gave you a child. And he said, right, that child is holy. That child belongs to God. I'm bringing that child to the altar to say, Lord, he, she belongs to you. It, it's, it's holy to you. What would you do if somebody came up, took that little girl by the hand and picked her up off the altar? Get up off your knees. Stop kneeling. Come walk with me. You don't need to do that. That's, that's no good. And you walked her away from the altar. You have just profaned something that's very holy. Why do you do that with a tithe? Tithe is just as holy as a person. God declared over the tithe, it is holy. What gives you the right to call it unholy? What gives you the right to question that? What gives you the right to spend that? We wouldn't dare take a child away from its dedication to God. Why do we take that? Why do we think the other isn't important to God? It's not the issue that God needs our money. He doesn't need our money. It's the issue that God needs our heart. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. We come every week, and this, this is what bothers There's two things that bother me. That sometimes when we preach on this topic, we feel like Oliver, the little orphan child, coming to the church going, please, sir, can I have some more? And it's a shame because people are starving. People are lost. The church in America, which is the land of church, I mean, if anybody does it well, they should. On an average across America, the land of church, the tithing is less than 2%. Imagine what it is here if we averaged it across. Imagine even more what we could do with it if we declared it holy and gave it to Him like Abram did. We come every week, and this is what I want to get into our people's head right now. We come every week and we go, let's quickly get through the offering. 
It's an add-on to the service. And let's get to the real stuff because that's just about money. The Bible never said money's evil. It said the love of money is evil. So, so when we come to the offering, in our hearts and minds, it should be just as much about worship as singing the songs, as listening to the Word, as responding at the altar, because it is holy to God. Whether you give online, see, this is the tragedy. 80% of our church gives online. No, I think it's a good thing. But the tragedy is we forget to come in the offering time and dedicate ourselves again to God and say, all that I am and all that I have belongs to you. And I recognize your greatness and your dominion. I'm standing on your promise. We miss that. Quick, get through the offering so I can preach. The offering should preach. Because... It's holy. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.